This is Fiber Variety Hour, an eclectic mashup of fiber obsession, interviews, random silliness, and discussions surrounding all aspects of the fiber community and industry. In each episode, you will find everything from farm features to fabulous festivals. You can find us on social media platforms as Fiber Variety Hour, that's fiber with an R-E, as well as on our Patreon platform. This is the first episode of the Fiber Variety Hour, although this is actually the Fiber Variety Hour light because we're not going to talk for an hour. I'm Kat Eldred. I'm Emily Wolscheid. And this was Emily's idea, so it's all your fault. <laughs> but what gave you the idea to do this? Well, I've been wanting to do something for a while that was educational, and the pandemic really started making me think that not only was it possible, but it was kind of necessary. You know, a lot of people don't know what all goes into the fiber industry, and, you know, even starting from the farm and how costly and difficult it can be to connect with each of these uh, facets of the fiber industry. And you know why, where those costs come from. A lot of people, when they purchase yarn, they are looking at yarn that was produced massively somewhere else, or it was not um, necessarily ethically produced. So I was really wanting to let people know why there was such an expense if you get something local and how we can help to lower that cost even by raising awareness of where it comes from and encouraging more people to use those practices. So starting with the farm and going all the way to, from the farm to needle concept. So I, I naturally turned to you because you are a great personality and I knew that we would bounce off of each other well in that aspect, but also that we both had that mission of starting with farm products and ending with either a well, really yarn and fiber, both are supplies, yep. but ending with a supply for a consumer to spin or to um, knit or weave or crochet or whatever they choose to do with yarn from you. Um, so it just seemed kind of natural to come to you because <laughs> we have a good time and both had that sort of mission. So, um, you know, me, I, I want to be able to produce more than I can by hand but mm-hmm. I want that process to be from something local still, you know, I don't want to continue to buy already processed fiber unless it's been processed from a sheep I met <laughs> or um, even the, you know, inadvertently I am able to get from the farm uh, and not inadvertently, but, you know, be able to purchase from a farm, support a farm and then support a mill and then, like all those levels. Yeah. So all those different levels of that. And then still have the hand dyeing that I do involved in it so that I can have a hand in that process and provide something unique that comes from me too. Um, I have, I'm, I'm an artist. That's my background. So being able to not only support agriculture, but also do something creative is really important to me as well. And I, I would say that that's true for you too, huh? So. It's that definitely is because I definitely um, 
I'm repeating myself, but I've ended up in quite a few conversations with other makers or people asking about making, and you hear all of these catchphrases getting thrown around, slow fashion, fast fashion, farm to needle, farm to table, farm to fabric, um, accessibility, like what do these things mean? And being able to drill down into those things is something that I am very excited to do. And also to understand that Imported doesn't equal bad, but the process for which it comes, that is the piece that you've got to kind of dig to find the information about. Was this something that was ethically sourced? Were the people involved treated in a humane way, paid a living wage? Like all of these things are things that come into play. And that difference of buying something that is made in a factory that doesn't necessarily pay on an ethical scale means that the end product may not cost you as much, but what is the cost, the actual cost, not the monetary cost? Um, so those are pieces that kind of whirl around in my head all the time. And we can use such trendy phrases to talk about these things, but there's really a lot more to that. And I know that we have a lot of crossover in our genres mm -hmm. where we both work with fiber. I primarily work with dyeing yarn and you primarily work with um, with fiber that's either unprocessed or less processed, but that that love of creation kind of comes through in that as well. And I love collaborating with other people um, and finding out kind of, okay, where, but where does this start? Okay, well, where does that start? Okay, where does that start? So then you're going all the way back to the farmer, you're going back to the grain farmer, you're going back to the hay farmer. So you're taking that step back farther and farther so, and really kind of seeing the industry food chain, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think that it has become glaringly obvious, especially during this pandemic and after a lot of policies that have went into place um, tariffs, tariffs and whatnot that have affected all industries and that trickle down from that. Um, <laughs> isn't that funny how <laughs> the one um, place it actually works. Yeah. And it works negatively. So, exactly. um, you know, like all of those things are affecting farmers, especially um, in this coming year. And that's going to affect the wool industry. And then in turn, it's going to affect the textile industry overall. And, you know, we, I feel like the textile industry was just kind of making headway getting back to natural fibers one way or another. And I have concerns that because of these things that um, if there's not some diligence by a lot of these people who are at the forefront, you know, when we think about like Rebecca Burgess working so hard for the fiber shed community and really starting that movement um, in a way and how it's spreading. And you know that's another one of those kind of buzzwords people don't understand. So we want to really bring that knowledge to people. What is your local fiber shed? How can you help your local fiber shed? And we talked about how uh, you know we're not thinking locally, but also acting globally. You know, there's nothing wrong with importing fiber, but we want to make sure that it's supporting a farm, that it's supporting an ethical farm, are those animals being cared for? You know, you talked about, are the employees of say a mill in another country or even our own being treated fairly mm -hmm. um, and humanely, you know, and are those animals being treated humanely? And I, you know, there's plenty of organizations out there that have had a negative impact on the industry by spreading false information about it mm -hmm. um, or, 
taking very um, anomalies in the industry of poor treatment and uh, you know, not actually looking at those who are treating their animals well. And I think that, you know, I mean, and the fact of the matter is that over the last several centuries, uh, fiber animals have been bred to the point where they can no longer shed naturally. So, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship at this point. And while it was man-made over several centuries, this is it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing. No. Um, you know, and the fact that many people don't even understand that when you shear a sheep, you're shearing the sheep, you're not, you're not killing them to shear them, you know, and certainly in some farms. Touches on another phrase with the shave and the, the shave and the save. Oh yeah, shave and save them. Yeah. You know, there's lots of really um, encouraging programs out there Mm -hmm. uh, to get those into the hands of people. I mean, some people are knitting and spinning with fibers they may never have even tried because of some of these programs and it's helping to save breeds. You know, it's, it's really um, a pretty fantastic movement going on and we have to keep that momentum up. So I think that's something we both want to do is keep, keep that going. Absolutely. Um, I also do want to touch on, um, well, throughout this, I'm sure we will, but aspects of this, of accessibility of fibers, because you also run into just like with fast, fast fashion with clothes, you end up with this, um, fast fashion of crafting supplies because you may not be in an area that has say a brick and mortar fiber shop that may have a insert generic craft store name here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that may be all you can get, either because of the of where it is or the price of it. And again, that and so it ends up kind of that wheel keeps turning because it's uh, that forward motion of mm-hmm. I, I, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, I, self, I get it's self-perpetuating. There we go, yeah, self-perpetuating. Yeah. You know, and I, I think looking at how. Um, people are connected with those farms. And specifically, one of the things that we wanted to focus on too was making sure that farms, producers, mills, shops, and indie dyers and pattern designers, everything that we are making sure that we are putting people of color at the forefront whenever possible. Because for so long, uh, yeah, for always, uh, there has been this misconception that they aren't part of this industry and they're absolutely part of this industry. They are a very important part of this industry uh, and making sure that we are featuring as, as much as we can and as many as we can, because, you know, even searching this out, it's actually difficult still to find a lot of people, um, especially farms and looking at statistics, uh, like what we were talking about earlier, which the listeners at home don't know, but <laughs> we were discussing um, so, some data that we found about how, um, you know, at one point there were over a million farms 
And that was, you know, like the 1920s and that's all disappeared. So, um, or all but disappeared, I should say. So trying to find ways to connect people so that that can happen and be supported, you know, because the industry overall will be healthier for it um, in every way. Um, I know that um, because of the the makers that I have followed in the past, it tends to trip those algorithms and makes a very specific um, slice of the social media pie showing itself to me. And the more that we branch out and t- take the time to seek out mm-hmm. um, different countries, different peoples, different histories, the more we're going to have a comprehensive shoving, you know, information coming back to our face that is a better indicator of what the industry actually is. But again, it's still algorithms. So doing some legwork is not a bad thing. No, not at all. And, um, you know, our first episode, which will be coming, I think we said within the next month or so, um, we'll have an announcement on our social media for when we actually have that button down. But our first episode is going to feature a lot of Michigan makers. Uh, we are both from Michigan, so we have a lot of connections here. So that's where we're starting. Um, so, you know, um, we, we're really excited to help try to support some of these businesses in our state uh, as, as we, we navigate this bizarre time we're living in and try to support them. Uh, you know, I, I know that being in Michigan, you know, I, I noticed some other states were able to have some of their festivals outside a little bit, like during some of the times that weren't as, as heavily, um, heavily, well, there weren't as many cases of COVID at the time. It seemed like we were in a little bit of a flattening of the curve and a lot of outdoor festivals that were smaller were able to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, in Michigan, we don't really have that option because in those times, the weather is unpredictable. And so, you know, we only have a certain amount of time during the year where we can do something outside without yeah, freezing. Yeah, it was 14 <laughs> degrees yesterday when yeah. I got up. So I went, oh, ooh, extra socks. <laughs> yeah. So, Good thing I could knit. Um, you know, trying to figure out ways to um, help some of these that rely on our festival season because our festival season really only runs from about May until maybe October and that's more in more shows you know and I mean I, I can recall being in barns freezing at yep. some of these shows I can also recall some shows in October where it was 84 degrees outside so not um, because Michigan's did nothing if not <laughs> consistently and consistent yes that's Michigan for you so you know that's where we're starting at um featuring some of these areas uh and we're almost gonna do a reverse bullseye we're gonna we're gonna start at the inside we're gonna work our way out yes yes we'll make a plan (laughs) so um you know we we will be probably putting some calls out there eventually but we've got a lot of connections around in other states and everything but um you know just Please follow us on our social media so you can keep up with us. And, and also, if you know somebody that you think would be perfect for what we're doing to talk with, don't hesitate to throw their name our way or to say, hey, I'm perfect for what you're talking about. Yeah. Because we do have a lot of connections, but there might be that 
perfect person to talk about a specific issue or genre that we don't know. So don't discount yourself or someone you know if you think they would be a good fit. Yeah, we'd love to talk to them. So clearly, uh, we have to talk. Yes, yeah, clearly. Um, we also, um, you know, we we are having this audio podcast, but uh, we're working on a quarterly uh, feature that will be a video um, podcast and really more like an educational video overall. It will feature interviews and farm visits and mill tours. And um, there may even be a special guest every episode um, to be <laughs> introduced. Who knows? There might be more than one because <laughs> at a later date, a, a guest because that ideas might be fluffy and furry or woolly, whatever. Um, All so, of the above. <laughs> uh, you know, we we just want this to be something that you can listen to in the car or while you're working or with your kids. And we want the video to be kind of just a nice uh, ed educational, but fun way of learning about the whole industry from start to finish. So we, we kind of, we want to have this sort of set up in a way where we're really starting with the farm. And by the end of the episode or even a two-part episode, you're seeing everything from farm to the finished, finished, finished pattern product that a designer has created or yeah. what you can do with it from an author or um, even just a finished project in, in, in any way, you know, whether it's knit or woven or, you know, just getting people connected with every part of it. So, mm -hmm. um, so please uh, follow us on our social media. We are Fiber Variety Hour with an R-E on social media. And you can contact us at fibervarietyhour at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for guests you might think we should have on the show. So I hope you'll join us next time. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. This was your Fiber Variety Hour teaser.